everyone, welcome to episode 25 of the All Things Strength and Wellness podcast. I am your host once again, Robbie Burke, and on this episode, I had the pleasure in interviewing Coach Carl Safran. Coach Carl Safran is the owner of No Bull Training in New Jersey, in America. On this episode, me and Carl discuss everything to do with strength and conditioning, personal training, nutrition, health and wellness, and everything and anything to do with overall well-being. Carl has also recently released a new book, his first book, and we also discuss why he felt the need to write and release this book. There are many other topics discussed on the show, so I hope you guys really enjoy it. Okay, uh, Coach Carl Stafford, um, as with all my guests, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Just for any of the listeners who aren't too familiar with who you are, just fill us in on your background. Absolutely, yeah. My name's Carl Stafford. I'm a uh, strength coach. I'm from the Philadelphia area. I'm actually born and raised from Philadelphia. We just relocated our new GMO. We went to a bigger location. We're right outside of Philly now. But um, I've been doing it for about seven years. Um, my background, pretty much, I was a baseball player. Had a real high-level career. A couple of injuries set me back. Um, and basically, after the injuries, I gained some weight, got out of shape. So I decided, you know, I was just looking on, looking online to go to school to be. A, I didn't even really want to be a trainer technically. I just wanted to know how to really get in good shape. But uh, when I went to MPTI, the National Personal Training Institute, I met my my mentor Barry Fritz, who just kind of showed me the light. And from day one, I wanted to be a trainer. So I met that guy. So you know, I completed my schooling. You know, did all the perform better seminars, read every book for the next two three years, and then I thought it was you know time to open my own place. And you know, we've been doing it for. Seven years strong now. You, uh, you 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 called your business No Bull Training. What what were you like? Why that name? What were you hoping to, to yeah, con- funny, convey? Funny story. Funny story. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, my best friend actually, I was training him, and he was uh, he played basketball at a D one school, and I was just you know basically I just got done school and I was kicking his butt, showing him everything I learned in school and you know complex sets and compound sets that we never heard of. So, I mean, I was really, like, lighting him up, and he was so tired, he kind of rolled on the floor and looked over at me, and he said, man, this is no bullshit. So I kind of, I thought about it, I didn't say anything at the time, but I went home and, like, sat on that for a while, and that's how the name came about. I thought, you know what, no bull training, you know, I don't want any, no BS here. Yeah, so, yeah, because uh, that's, that's, that's kind of the impression I get, like, with, with, like, when I see any of your videos, or that, you know, you're just, you know, you're a... A no BS guy, just you know, straight to hard work, but it's always good information at the same Definitely. time. And uh, apart from 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 Barry Fritz, the, the the man you just mentioned there, who else would be your biggest influences within the the field of strength and conditioning, nutrition? Uh, my biggest my biggest influence, I'm you know, I'm sure like most other strength coaches, I'd have to say Mike Boyle. Yeah, I mean, he really made me. Once I heard that that kiss principle with him, you know, keep it simple, stupid, I really liked it right away. And as the first seminar I went to, he was just real down to earth. And to be honest, I mean, I like how he tests everything. Yeah. You know, he has so many athletes, so many average people that every day, you know, it's true science when you can, you know, replicate it and show you what works and, you know, less injuries, more more effort. I mean, I just, I really like him right away. But um, besides him, I, you know, I, I got to be honest, I take a little bit from everybody, but I'm definitely more on the simple side. I mean, I like the basics. I don't like getting cute and fancy. I mean, obviously, Greg Cook had a big, you know, influence on me. Um, Dr. Sue McGill's books changed the way I train. I'm sure every strength coach had that. Um, but Mike Boyle, definitely number one. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I'd have to say Mike is a big influence given that I interned with him. He, he's a great guy too. Um, yeah. So, you know, you've given us a, a touch of, of the people who've influenced you, but 
what is what is your training philosophy you know so if someone says to you you know what does no bull training stand for what are, what are its core values what, what how would you answer that question um, my core values at Noble Training, I mean, honestly, like I said, the name sets it off. I mean, it probably scares a few people away, but it's not, you know, people, honestly, I get emails every day saying, oh, please don't hurt me, don't yell at me, and that's not what we're about. That's not what Noble Training is. Noble Training just simply means if you come in, you know, and you're 100 pounds overweight, don't tell me you eat well. You know, let's just cut the BS, give me a, a proper food journal, and let's fix it. You know, if you're weak and you, you want to avoid an exercise you're not good at because you're not good at it, you know, let's get let's dig in deep. Let's you know put you through the functional movement screen and see where you're weak, where you're strong, and just rid your body of weakness. I mean, like I said, though, I just stick with the basics. I mean, I'm a big big advocate for you know if you can't do chin ups, we're not doing curls. If you can't do push ups, you know you're not doing any type of chest fly or anything like that. Like I just want them getting good at all the basics. And I mean, I train a couple pro MMA guys, but most of my clients are average thirty to forty year old females. So, I mean, I want to bring them in, and, you know, their goal is to look better naked pretty much. So, I mean, as much as, as the, of the unilateral stuff I do, I do do, you know, a, a fair amount of bilateral, you know, hard and heavy stuff because, you know, the ultimate goal is to burn body fat for them and get leaner, you know, have a little more muscle mass. And, you know, you need some heavy weights at that point, obviously, if the form is good. But, I mean, just a noble approach, you know, definitely stick to the basics, work hard. Come in, work hard, get out, go eat, come back in two days. What would your uh, take be on nutrition? Or what what is it? I suppose it's pretty similar to your training. You just like to keep it simple. But what are the guidelines you, you would give to someone? I suppose it depends. Uh, my guy, yeah, my athletes, you know, I definitely call them up more than my average, you know, female or male that needs to drop thirty plus pounds. But I, I'm starting to change a little bit. And I'm starting to lean towards a paleo-ish diet. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I know for me personally, when I eat too much bread, I just blow up instantly, and I see it with my clients too. Um, I noticed, you know, the more the more chicken, fish, meat I'm eating, and the less bread, the leaner I'm getting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm leaning towards paleo-ish, not total, but I'm a big fan of that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And paleo can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, but the, the premise of it really is just, you know, just to eat real food. And I think for for the Absolutely. most for, for the most part, they they have a lot of things pretty dialed in Definitely. with regards to your training system so i'm a client i go in carl my name is robbie yeah i play well in ireland i play a sport but say in america i play american football i want to get bigger stronger faster leaner like where, where do you where do you begin uh, i mean initially you know most of our most of our especially athletes i'm looking at them i've noticed especially with my mma guys i'm big in the jiu-jitsu community with strength coach um I noticed they are almost the worst movers. They're the best compensators. So to be honest, my best athletes that come in here, like if I know about them, if they're you know trying out for Abu Dhabi or they're black belts in jiu-jitsu, I already am. I'm all. I'm already alert. And I'm sorry, guys. No, no, uh, no. I didn't say no. Yeah, I'm already aware that they're probably going to be extremely, you know, have huge asymmetries. So I mean, right away, I'm getting them on the foam roller. I'm golf ball on their feet. You know, just seeing how they move, shoulder mobility, scapular mobility, wall slides, all normal basic stuff. And then I'll start checking them, you know, with bird dogs. You know, uh, most of them will do the FMS screen, um, depending when they come in. Uh, and then, you know, I put them through a nice basic thing. I want to see their glute bridge. I want to see single leg. I want to see if they hyperextend their lower back. Uh, you know, we just go from there. I'll have them do speed skaters, warm up their glutes. I'll check their body weight squat. Just everything real simple, real basic. Check the push-up, check if they can do chin-ups. And just, you know, kind of make a, a checklist and see what I really need to work on. And obviously, depending on what sport they play, 
you know, my jujitsu guys don't need, you know, increased hypertrophy, so they just need to usually cut weight. So I have to figure out good ways to get them strong while they're leaning out. So it really varies, but for the most part, you know, the, the, the first day's assessments, we go over the nutrition, all the good stuff. So once, once you have that information, let's take, take me through how do you design a program? Let's say, let's, let's just even go with, right, fat loss is the first one, or, or well, anything really. How, how, what is your template for program design? Uh, my basic thought process, I mean, a couple of years ago, if you asked me, I was real into, you know, hip dominant and pulling, you know, Tuesday and then Thursday when my client came in, we do knee dominant and pushing. I've switched up a little bit. I really do enjoy the full body, especially for a fat loss client. But, I mean, I still want to stick with the basics. I like clusters. I like triples. I like doubles. So, I mean, a good example, I guess, I've done all the assessments to an average client. You know, we might do a, a rear foot elevated split squat with a goblet load right to a right to a push-up and then some type of anti-rotational exercise. Yeah, yeah. Maybe two or three rounds of that, and then they switch. So if I know I did a unilateral knee-dominant exercise, I might go to some type of bridge, barbell root bridge, depending on the client, and then some type of vertical pull or horizontal TRX row, and then a different type of core exercise. So instead of anti-rotation, I might do anti-extension like a plank. So, you know, depending on how they feel after two or three rounds of each, you know, I might do some type of, you know, end, end them with a the sled, a little metabolic conditioning, and then cool them down, stretch them out, send them home. I have I have a lot of friends. <clears throat> I'm more into the. Uh, I work more so with teams and a lot more kind of in the in the athletic realm. And I have I have a few clients to say personal training clients, but I'm more so involved if you like to say in strength and conditioning. But I have a lot of friends who have their own businesses and do a lot of you know fat loss body composition stuff. And they always yep. ask. They always they're all talking about trying to sell their clients on the mobility and warm up stuff and like because. They don't see the relevance of it. What's your take on that? Because I know you do a lot of boot camps. Like, what's your take on yeah. the warm up and how to sell it to those type of clients? Like, I always say, like, listen, you can just. I kind of lie sometimes because I've often had a few clients, like women, and when they foam roll, I just tell them it was good for cellulite, so they just did it. <laughs> but like, I, I, I can, I can understand, I can understand where where some coaches are coming from. Like, oh, do they need to be doing wall slides and this and that? I'm like, no, but like, you can still do some general mobility warm. Maybe condense it down a bit. But what's your take on that? Yeah, you know what, that's a good point. I mean, to be honest, I, you know, I, I just read uh, Martin Rooney's books, and he had a great article a couple of days ago. He's one of my guys I look up to. Uh, you know, he keeps it simple, and he, you know, like he said stuff along the lines of, you know, if you get a 300-pound woman, you know, of course she doesn't need the foam roll. Just make her move for an hour. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. definitely agree. I mean, I don't want to hurt people, but honestly, the, the end realm of the other range of that is she sits on her couch all day, and she's 300 pounds, she's going to die of a heart attack. So if I'm adding a little risk making her squat, I'm adding a little risk making her squat. You know, it's better than her sitting there all day. Yeah. So I agree. I'm not foam rolling obese clients. I'm not, you know, wasting my time. Even really weak clients, I don't even really waste my time with that. I'm not saying it's a time waster, but I need to get them strong. I mean, I think in the end, get people strong, and it almost works itself out. Yeah, yeah, big time. Because when you think about it, I mean, weak clients or, or obese clients, you're not doing heavy volume, high intensity stuff with them anyway. So the muscle, t- you know, the tissue quality, I don't know how much the foam roll is going to actually help them anyway. Yeah. The athletes are a different subject. You know, if you're, you got jiu-jitsu guys rolling for six hours a day, they need the foam roll. Yeah, but yeah. I agree with you. The, you know, the more basic the class, the more of a beginner, the less I'm likely to do that stuff with them. Yeah, I think, like, again, uh, my question definitely wasn't towards obese. If I have an obese client, I would never, ever, like, I'm kind of like Mike. I, I, I wouldn't even get them on the ground. Like, I just get them in. Right, right. 
right. You know, you, you just because they can't even get up or off the ground, it's just going to be embarrassing for it, them. But uh, it's embarrassing to watch them get up. I agree, hundred percent. It's it's an exercise in itself. But um, yep. with, with regards to maybe your your higher end athletes, what sort of um, you know do you? What's your take then on periodization? Now, obviously, with the general clientele, that's a different kettle of fish. But let's just say with, with your with your more sport at least that you have. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm sometimes I'm lucky enough to get you know my guys will tell me you know a lot of my guys fight in Atlantic City and they'll tell me you know twelve weeks in advance before their fight. Sometimes I have four weeks notice before their fight. Yeah. So I tell them, I mean, with four weeks, obviously periodization is going to be extremely different. Four weeks, my my job is to get them strong, make sure he cuts weight properly. But it's more so not to beat them up, not to hurt them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get these athletes in here where, you know, they'll do Muay Thai for two days a week. They'll do Jiu-Jitsu four days a week. And then they're doing, you know, some type of wrestling practice a couple times a week. And, I mean, their bodies are beat by the time they get to me. So for me to just pound them into the ground, I don't think helps them. So, I mean, I, again, I'll stick with the basics. I'll get them strong. We'll do low, low high intensity, low volume. Um, but with the, if I have a longer periodization, I definitely want to get, you know, the Olympic lifts in early. You know, I'm trying to have them peak. I mean, the tough part with them peaking is the night before the fight, they're usually at their weakest because if, if they have to cut a lot of weight, which, I mean, I, I freak out on my fighters if they don't cut sooner. I mean, I have some guys literally have to cut, you know, 10 pounds in a day or 12, you know, 14, 16 pounds in two weeks. I mean, that's just insane. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, unfortunately, that's the name of the game. They want to walk around heavy and strong and then, you know, just cut before the fight. You, you seem to have a, a really... Now, this is just one I've seen from YouTube and your Facebook, a very, very successful boot camp business um, within your business. Can you discuss that? Like, how, how has that been such a success? So I see photos on Facebook, and there's like like 100, pe- it's like 100 people in that class. Yeah, it's, you know, the classes have really taken off. I, I got to be honest, when I first started with them, uh, I just basically... I do my personal training all day from, you know, 6 a.m. to noon. Then I'm off in the midday. Then I come back at night to training. But we have four boot camps a week, and I call them group classes now because boot camps, I thought, were, were kind of scaring people, you know, yeah. average person's not going to come to a boot camp, but they'll come to a group class. Um, and I still try to make it as safe and as fun as possible, but basically, I think why we work so well is uh, my background before training and, be, and after baseball, I was head of security at a nightclub, believe it or not, and I had to deal with like 20 or 30 security bouncers I was in charge of, and you know, three, four hundred patrons every night. So that kind of intensity, you know, organizing that many people, especially late night Philadelphia clubs, are pretty brutal. So, I mean, the intensity I would deal with for a couple years at the club made me okay and really relaxed and calm with 60, 70 clients at a time. But my preparation is why I think we're successful Um, in the atmosphere. You know, they come in, they all get greeted by name, high fives, how you doing, how's your day. I know what they do for a living, every one of them. You know, I know if they have kids or not, like just talking to them every day, making them feel comfortable. But my preparation with the class, I usually do groups of four. So if one station for two minutes is push-ups, you know, I'll tell them, listen, take your time, smoke the push-ups. When you get tired, you stop, you take a little break, and then go back at it. Then you get about a minute or two off, and you shift station. And people really like that because my advanced guys, you know, if they're strong enough to do two push-ups for two minutes, go ahead as long as the form is good. And the, the rookies that come in that aren't advanced, you know, they're doing modified push-ups from a six-inch box or eight-inch box, and they do half the reps or a quarter of the reps. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in the same time, everybody gets a great workout relative to what, you know, their skill level. But I think number one is the atmosphere. I mean, I don't allow anyone in here with negativity. If any negativity is present, I either kick them out or I try not to or just kind of sit them down. 
someone to let them know, like, look, this is a team effort. If someone's struggling, you help them, or, you know, if they need help, you come get me. But, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty on the ball with that, and they, they've really taken off. I mean, you know, I'll train a girl, and she'll get her mother, and then the mother gets her friends. And it's just word of mouth. I mean, besides Facebook, I don't promote. I have a website. I don't even think anybody goes on it, you know? <laughs> it's, just, it's just word of mouth really helps. I mean, you treat clients well, and, and, and it's only 10 bucks a class. So, realistically, you know what really helped me, actually, thinking about it now? I read Ray Kroc's book, the, the guy that owns McDonald's. Yeah. And he was saying that, you know, why don't you sell a good product for a cheap price and just sell lots of it? And I thought the same thing because I, in my head, you know, I'm a Philly boy. I grew up, you know, pretty broke. I couldn't afford $80 an hour training. So I thought, okay, let me do semi-private. And then to further that, I thought, let me do classes so people can all train together. Granted, it's not personalized, but it can be to an extent. You know, but it's general people need general, you know, movements. Everyone needs to be strong and chin-ups and push-ups and squats. You know, there's certain modifications we make, but for 10 bucks a class, I mean, people can afford it, and it's a great atmosphere, so why not? What I, what I really like about your approach with regards to first of all I really like that you call it group training because that's personally what I would call it myself rather than boot, boot camps and the second thing I really really like is that you're very different from the average group class boot camp because I've seen a few clips on YouTube where you do this thing at the end I don't know if you do it at the end of all your classes but you do it at the end of a lot of your classes where it's like you give them like a 5-10 to 10 minute talk on something whether it's like nutrition or training and I actually just saw a clip there about half an hour ago, maybe an hour ago, and you were talking about the epoch effect and how resistance and weight yep. training was more superior to long, slow cardio. And Absolutely. again, and again, and again, me and you were on strengthcoach.com. We know the values of aerobic training for for athletes, and, and with you know with, with Joel Jameson's work and Patrick Ward and all that. But we're we're talking here about fat loss and that. But I, I really really like that. Just speak about educating the client because I'm very very big on that. Absolutely. Um, you know, again, that came, I can't think of the book right now, but I read a book, I think Boyle told me to read, I forget who told me to read the book, but it was something about the, in the 80s when they were training the Russian um, Olympic athletes, and I, I heard, I don't know if this is true or not, but I read that the coaches would, would force or make the, the actual athletes read up on anatomy and physiology and energy system, so they would fully grasp what they're doing and why they're doing it. And the second I read that, I reread it a couple of times. I'm like, holy crap, that is, that is awesome. So I thought about it. I mean, some of the questions my clients would ask me, I mean, no disrespect to anyone because, you, know, you know, they're not trainers, but some of the questions were so in, from left field and absurd that I realized that they had no idea what they were doing, why they were doing it, and how it helps. So I started doing them little two, three, four, five-minute spiels at the end of most group classes. And, you know, they're all amped up, they sit down, they listen. I'm amped up because I'm excited from the vibe. You know, everybody's just busted their butt for me for an hour. So your, your endorphins are going, you're feeling good, and I know they're going to listen at that time. I don't do it before the class, I do it after, because I know I got them listening. And you can see in the video, you know, hopefully most of them are just looking at me, absorbing it. But I figured, you know what, I did my last one two weeks ago, I did it on the moment arm. I was trying to explain to a tall girl, she's like, I can never do chin-ups. So I tried to explain, you know, the distance of the moment arm. You're longer, it's harder for you. You know, simple physics or the heavier person. You know, I have a 300-pound lineman, plays D1. He can't, he can't do more than one chin-up. But I explain to him, you know, you're 300 pounds. I don't know if it's ever going to get much better. You know, so explaining that kind of stuff and schooling them in that sense, trying to keep it simple as possible, you know, I think really helps them. Like, you know, uh, last night's group class or two nights ago, we were doing dumbbell rows, and girls, my strong girls, were rowing a 15. I went right over and I said, listen, you know better. 15 pounds for 30 reps is not what I want. So, you know, switched them. They 
it's funny that you just mentioned that because my next question is, you know, uh, and every coach has experienced this. You get the women coming in and they're like, "I want to lose fat." Well, they say weight, but you know, we get them about, and and they, you know, and and you tell them, "Listen, the way to do this is nutrition, your sleep, and then when we train, it's going to be with weights." <laughs> and then they get worried. Absolutely. They get that, oh, you know, weights. I'll get big and bulky. I all, and I all say the same thing every time. I got this from Coach Boyle. Whenever a girl says to me, "Oh, I'll get big and bulky," I say, "Listen to me, love." I couldn't make you big and bulky if I tried my hardest. So, so I, but well, how how do you deal with that? I suppose some of it is with the education post post group training, but how else do you deal with, let's say, initially when they come in? Yeah, I mean, you know what? That's a huge problem. Any trainer that tells you on an issue doesn't train females or is lying because you're right. Oh my girls, the second I give them a bigger looking dumbbell or a kettlebell, for God's sake, the first time they see them, they think, no way, you're going to put mass on that little thing on a Schwarzenegger. To me, right away, I laugh because it's funny. And second, I tell them it's disrespectful to everyone that wants to be big and yeah. can't get big. You know <laughs> what I mean? I, I just tell them outright. It's absurd. I try to convince them that it's not going to happen. And, I, you know, I don't know. I'm sure genetically there's a couple freaks out there that can get bulky. But it's so far and few that, you know, I don't have that issue. I probably have had one or two girls that honestly did I get crazy hypertrophy, even not on a hypertrophy, you know, stim. But the other 800 don't get it, you know. So I just try to every day convince them that, listen, lift heavy, you know, higher intensity, lower volume, you'll be fine. It's yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's still a daily problem, though. It's, it, it's funny because that's the other thing I say to him too. Like, I always go, it's exactly what I say. Like, I always say to him, it's so funny. And they go, what's so funny? It's like, you tell me you don't want to get big and bulky. And then I have a young fella on the other, the other end uh-huh. of the spectrum. And he's saying, everything I do and I can't put on weight. And I'm like, do you know how hard <laughs> exactly. it is? Do you know how hard it is yep. to put on muscle? Like it's so hard. Like and, and and we have and we and we're meant to have the hormones for it. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, you brought up a good point. A lot of women, you know, all my girls when they start, they're like, oh, I want to lose 30, 30 pounds. I'm like, well, do you want to lose fat or you want to lose weight? And they don't get it. They don't. They don't understand that muscle and bone has weight. You don't want to lose that. So I want to increase the muscle, you know, to an extent, increase the bone density, increase body fat. Perfect example. I just did assessments on a girl again after five or six weeks. Her weight stayed the same. Her body fat went down over 1% in six weeks, which isn't great. She's pretty lean. And she went down six inches. Yeah. Six real total inches, which is incredible. You know, she couldn't get it because the scale didn't move. You know, she was flustered and thought, oh, this sucks. I'm not paying anymore. But I tried to explain to her, you know, you know, fat takes up more space than, than, than muscle. So you walk fat and gain the muscle. That's a great thing. She's leaner. Her clothes fit better. She moves better. So, I mean, she's a perfect example, you know? Yeah, yeah. Again, like again, it's just education. You know, you say, "Listen, muscle is more metabolically active. You need it to burn fat." So it's just the, uh, again, it's just the education. With, with regards to to business, uh, Carl, like how, what have you done in that realm to to get your business to where it is today? I um, you know what? I mean, my dad grew up hardcore Navy vet. I mean, you know, wake up, do something, take the trash out. There's no sitting around great guy, just very, you know, stern to the point, literally, no bullshit, I mean, he is the true definition of that, you know, work midnight shift in one of the worst neighborhoods in Philadelphia, would get home at midnight, wake up at 6 a.m. and do it all over again, um, but his work ethic was insane, and like, I actually don't take days off, I try never to take a day off, which I know isn't good, but I'm only 31, so I'm okay right now, um, you know, but with the babies coming, I'm going to start having to take days off, but the work ethic, I mean, I literally feel guilty if I'm sitting home doing nothing. 
and his child to outwork the next guy. And actually, you know, I'm also a part-time instructor at MTTI. Barry Fritz was nice enough to let me teach part-time there just to help the classes out, help the students. You know, I just basically go in there and motivate them. But um, my main thing was, you know, I work harder than most people. There is no trick. I'm not more talented. I have no gifts. I work harder. I get up earlier, and I probably go to bed later, and I know I read more than most. And, you know, I follow guys like you and Boyle and Bruni and everybody, McGill. I mean, if someone's doing something better than me, I don't. my ego's not that big. I'll, I'll suck it up and, you know, fix my issues. Yeah. But, I mean, again, I just I try to outwork everybody. I try to give my clients everything they need. I think that's the secret. With regards to education, like, do you say – you know, such and such of my net profit is going back and towards education, and if so, what, what sort of education? Is it books, DVDs, seminars, workshops? Is it Does it vary year to year? Do you mean what helps me the most, personally? Yeah, like, you know, do, do you sit down? Maybe not sit down, but, like, I, personally, this is what I do. I kind of go, right, for instance, this year, I was like, this year, I have to do DNS. I've been saying I'm going to do DNS for oh, the last exactly. three years, and I'm like, right, I'm doing DNS this year, nothing, like, because a lot of times you'll go, ooh, and then something comes up and you do that, and you're like, no, I can't do the one I wanted to do. So I kind of every year go, right, I'm doing five seminars, and then with regards to books and DVDs, I just I just buy them as they come. Like, But with seminars, I kind of pick every year. Gotcha. You know what? I, I better up my game if you're doing five seminars a year. I don't do that many. I wish I did. To be honest, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't plan them out as well as I probably should. I mean, I hear about them, and I think, hey, you know what? That'll make me better. I'll go. I love the perform better seminars. Even my trainers, they went up to Rhode Island recently and did them. Um, I, I probably should go to more, but I mean, I'm a big book guy. I really enjoy reading. And it's funny because up until high school, even out of high school, I hated reading. I don't think I ever read a book in high school, to be honest. But now, you know, you know, when you're passionate about something, you really like what it's saying. I mean, I read everything. And I, I do probably two or three seminars a year. I definitely want to do more. I mean, you know, obviously I just had a baby. I have another one coming Friday. So that's going to be limited. But if I had to say what helped me the most, I think just training people. I mean, my first year out of school, I got a job, like a BS job in New Jersey. I was driving 11 miles over the bridge after my nightclub job. I was training four people a half hour, eight an hour for six, eight-hour shifts, no breaks. So I was tra- every day I was training 30-something people per day, four or five days a week. So, I mean, my first year of training, and I don't know if you want to call it training because I wasn't, I don't think I was nearly what I am now. I mean, I didn't know crap then. I was doing leg press and silly things. But I trained 30 people a day. I mean, I was training over 100 people a week for two years. So the amount of knowledge and, and experience I got in a year, two years of doing that, you know, replicated 10 years of work. I mean, just dealing with 30 different personalities, 30 different movements, 30 different everything, every single day, that really helped me. I mean, even put me in the pressure cooker, you know, training four people an hour, a half hour. You know, it's tough. If you're not doubling them up and there's different skill levels, granted, it wasn't great personal training, but they were paying for 75, so that's what they were getting. But, I mean, the experience is number one. I see kids graduate MPTI every, every six months, and some of them, you know, ace in all the tests, but they come out and give them a client to train. They don't know what the hell they're doing. You know, it's, it's not the book knowledge anymore that helps them. Now you have to actually spark a conversation, make the client feel comfortable. You know, like you said, not put them on the floor for a beast. I mean, all the little, you know, all the tweaks they have to make that they don't know yet because they lack the experience. But nothing, nothing beats hands-on. Train your family, train your friends, train your mother, train anybody that will, will you know, deal with you for an hour for free. And I think that will definitely help. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it is, it's, 
it, it really is a fine balance between you know the the theory and the practical and applying oh. a, a, you know just application because there's so many times where you've probably been this too where you, you you read something and you apply it and you're like well that didn't work more times than i'd like to admit absolutely you're just like oh well it, it made sense in the book but uh logistically this facility <laughs> this, this facility is too small and i'm one coach with too many people this isn't gonna absolutely. work absolutely absolutely uh, i'm sorry go ahead. no go ahead go ahead I was going to say, not to backtrack, I think another thing that helped me, that I, I should probably share this with you guys, I didn't put this in my book, I used to, you know, not wear anything no bull, like my first year, I got t-shirts made, I was dead broke, I was scrounging dollars to pay the t-shirt guy, and I got them made, I started giving them away to clients, not even charge them, I didn't care, I don't have like eight clients anyway, but I used to sneak, not sneak in, but I used to go to gyms around Philly, and just go in and do group classes, and do, go do you know, whatever special classes they were doing, some type of metabolic, Tabata stuff, and all these silly-ass classes. But I used to go in and do them, you know, for fun, but more so to tell what they did wrong. And I got to be honest, I was so disappointed. I've never been the one I liked. And I'm not hard to please. If you give me some weights, I'm going to throw them around. I enjoy it. But all the classes were either too complicated, too confusing, the flow wasn't right. So I think by me doing that for about a year, and then people started recognizing me. I had to stop doing it. But I think for about a year I did that, sneaking into different classes, different gyms. It helped me really pinpoint where, what direction I wanted to go. Because I knew right away, I went to group classes for a month at this one gym, and every time there was confusion when the bell would ring, where do I go? What station am I at next? So, I mean, no disrespect. I call it, I tell my trainers, let's make it dummy proof. Make the boot camp or group class dummy proof. Make it literally this station to this station. To this station, you know, Make it follow a nice, organized path. Because the clients don't want to think. As far as, that's just the truth. They want to train. They want to be told what to do, when to do it, how long to do it. See you later. Make me skinny, make me strong, send me home. They don't want to think too much. So I literally make things very simple. I mean, but as hard at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it. Like, I, I call it idiot-proof. I'm always, like, trying to make yeah, every, yeah. everything as idiot-proof as possible. But it's funny you yeah, say, it's funny you say that, too, with the... The stations where to go because sometimes with with, uh, with 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 the team I deal with the you know every just every now and again for a change we do some modified strongman stuff and uh, but the way we lay it out we always instead of saying right you're doing this and then this and then this we always say right you're at this for four to five minutes thirty on thirty off with your partner exactly. and it's just yep. like and it's just like stay there because when you're so fatigued you're like where's the next station whereas like Absolutely. just just for that for that four or five minutes it's like right you're just here this is all you have to do all you have to do is farm walks all you have to do is push the proud yeah. all you have to do is just the log press or the push-up or the burpee right, or whatever right. and then and then you're gonna have a minute a minute and a half and then you can get your breath back and then you're going over to that station but it's all about idiot proof even even with like the trap bar deadlift like that's why you know I like listen. I love deadlift. I love squat. I love like I love every lift as long as it's executed right. But the trap bar is just I always call it idiot proof. Like I mean, can yeah, I, it truly is. Like, can, can, wrong. Yeah, well, like it can, can it be done wrong? Yeah, it can be done wrong. But it's so much easier to teach. Of course, it. it's like stand in the middle, grab the center of the handles, yep. stand up, put it back down. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's uh, yeah, it's, it's all about it's all about idiot proof. Really, what what Coach Boyle would call that is just risk reward benefit. I just call it idiot proofness. Like so, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But you, he's, a little, he's a little nicer than us, I think. Tell me an idiot proof, but it is what it is. You know, it's true. Um, you you've spoken uh, a few times about like books. You're mad into books, so just let me know. Uh, resources. What books? What DVDs? 
what 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 things like when you think training or even health wellness nutrition what are the top books that come into your head or resources even dvds um you know what to be honest early in my career i started with the jc santana dvds and i know you know people say what they want about him he, he was he was clever and, a, and a, he started a lot of things you know mcgill would obviously disagree with some of the selection and rotation things and all that and so would i but in, you know seven eight years ago when he first came out you know that opened my eyes to because I was strictly, you know, your back squatting, your front squatting, your deadlifting, your pushing, pulling. JC opened up my eyes at least to different things. And granted, I don't use most of them now, but there's still a few, you know, little gems in there that I like that, you know, make training fun. You know, starburst and stuff that can be effective, explosive hip extension, you know, in a good way. I try to make things as safe as possible, but JC DVDs got me started. And then, you know, I went through, you know, the Robertson training system DVDs, you know, McGill's. I love great coach stuff even though it's hard for me to understand. I have to watch it two or three times. Uh, but it's Turkish get-up videos that really helped me with Brett Jones. Um, obviously, Boyle books. Uh, like I said, I read Rooney's books recently. But, I mean, it's honestly, I, I really try to pick from so many different areas. Even, you know, when Boyle started talking about Thomas Summer a couple of years ago, I went out and got one of his books. Um, that definitely helped me. Uh, the nutrition books, you know, like I said, I'm starting to tweet fall towards paleo-ish. So, you know, I'm reading the, the, the Rob Wolf stuff. And, you know, but every couple of years, you know, like Boyle says, I mean, I, I used to think, like, how can you change your mind? Like, this is a good exercise. Why don't we do it? But as I get older, I mean, I like less. I like more basic, more simple. You know, even when my trainers come in, I try to give them a, a you know, I let them have a say. But, you know, when they come at me with these exercises, they want to try and demo. And it's usually, you know, you can't load it enough. You can't get enough intensity on it. Or it just sounds good, like you said, in a book, but when you put, you know, in practical application to a client, it doesn't work. So, I mean, I try to just, as I get older, it's more basic, more basic. Yeah, yeah, I actually, I remember reading in Verkajansky's book that he wanted to work on knee extension, so, you know, like squat, leg press sort of thing, and <laughs> what, they, what they ended up doing was two fellas would hold the barbell while one fellow was supine on the ground, and he would try and push the barbell away with his feet. And in the book, in the book, in the book, in the book, for Kajansi's like, yeah, it didn't really work out. So uh, is it super training. Oh uh, no, I think it's it is. Uh, let me have a look at that title again. It's uh, the special special strength special strength training manual for coaches. The second edition, just at the start of the book. Wow. Yeah, he was just talking. Well, you know, about, hey, I guess hey, you gotta try it. I mean, you gotta try things. How do you know they don't work? You know. Yeah, I just I remember I remember reading that a while ago. And, oh God, but uh, but like as even that, like it's it's true. Like I mean, I'm not too old myself, and I'm 26. But I heard Coach Boyle even saying a while back, you know, coaches. Tw- I think he's f- 1959, so that would make Mike 53 right now. Sorry for saying this, his date of birth out loud, but he. Uh, I heard him say to his staff one time, he's like, I've made all these mistakes, so you don't have to make them. <laughs> Now exactly. again, at the, at the, but listen, at the same time too. I mean, like, I've you know, I've, I've great respect for Mike. He's done so much for me. But of course, I do. I agree with everything. Of course, I don't agree with everything. I'm still my own yeah, man. Of course, yeah. No I'm way. still my I'm still my own man. And, and listen to like, uh, we wouldn't agree in everything. But but you know, at the same time, you know, he has been around a while, and and I suppose just because he's been around a long time doesn't necessarily mean he's right. But you know, it it it. it probably should give you a bit of pause to take it into consideration but it still it doesn't make him right 
But uh, yeah, I, I, I get. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think I'm similar too. Like the older you get in the field, the kind of or the longer you get in the field, the more you're kind of you, you kind of realize, no, that just does is never worked. We tried it, that never worked. That that that. Then and, and, there, and there's also things where you're like, I used to do that, then I didn't do it, and now I'm doing it again. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So it's uh, it's it's really really good. But um, Carl, that's it. But the last thing I want to touch on is you recently released a book. Um, it was. It was funny because I saw a picture of you on Facebook about I must have been about two or three months ago, and I saw you with the book, and then I was thinking, oh man, he's after writing a book, and then I couldn't I couldn't find out anything about the book. I went to your website, I looked in your Facebook, and I was like, maybe I was yeah. I was like maybe I was seeing things, and then like only lately, <laughs> only lately I saw the book is out, and I was like, oh, he does have a book coming out, like, and I was well, you know, to be honest, I was uh, I hired an editor who's my good friend. And we had actually, we pretty much finished the book. There was a few tweaks I wanted to make. I found some mistakes in one of my proofs that I bought. You know, they sent, or the proof they sent to me. And so we had to go back, and we spent another two or three months just because I'm so busy, sat down, fixed all, fixed all the things. I'd be naive to think there's no mistakes, but I'm hoping, hopefully there's not. But now the book is officially out. Yeah, and and what, why, like, well, what, what, what clicked in your head that goes, that's it, I'm writing a book? Um, you know what, to be honest, I don't do it, I mean, every, the first question, oh, how many did you sell, how much money are you making? The money was never a thought in my brain uh, when I wrote this book. I started about three years ago, and to be honest, I just feel like I have a lot to say, and I wanted to put it on paper, and I think in a sense it helped me organize my own thoughts about training, um, but I just wanted to share with my students, with my clients, with my family, you know. I, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty stern guy in the sense of like I know you're not going to live forever. I'm going to be dead eventually, and my son will, and my kids, and my family will, you know, rule the earth for a little bit, and then they'll be gone. But I wanted to write down my thoughts, so you know, my kids can read my book one day. To be honest, that was my true thoughts behind it. But I do, you know, want to help everybody. I mean, if all my clients hopefully purchase the book, like I think they did, and they read it, hopefully they'll they'll train better. They may eat better. They may be more motivated to wake up in the morning and you know, try to conquer the day. So, I mean, me telling them every day is good, but I figure if I put it in writing, you know, you can get the book and read it every day if you want, you know, just look at it, reference it. But I try to keep it as simple as possible. Hopefully advanced guys like you can read it and get something out of it, I hope. And then, you know, the every, and hopefully they can read it and get enough out of it to, you know, hopefully it doesn't confuse them. I try to simplify it as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough because I'm like that too. I, it's, you got to make a decision. Are you writing to the layman or are you writing to the coaches? You know what right. I mean? Because it, so, so many people yeah, get in. That was, that was tough because I, I remember going back and editing thinking, well, crap, who's reading this? Strength coaches or trainers? Or is it going to be everyday people? And I think I may, I definitely lean towards my everyday Joe more, but it's definitely enough for anybody. I mean, all the trainers I've read it so far, you know, I've been getting a lot of positive feedback from it. So yeah, yeah, it's it's funny too because you just said there in in your in your second last caption that you know when you start writing it, it makes you kind of you know reaffirm and and really dial in your own sort of training philosophy because you know I I sat down and I I've like I've got notes and notes of stuff written down and one day they might become a book or a project and lately I just finished a big a big project as well and going through it you're kind of like like there were certain times where you're going through it and you're kind of like shit like what is my actual thought on this particular topic like mm -hmm. and it's, it's it's amazing like as as a strength coach it does a lot of soul searching what is my true feeling on this right now and 
what is my actual system or philosophy in this so it really makes you a better coach it, like if anyone's listening and I'd say you might agree even if you're not writing a book or producing a DVD or whatever you should start writing down just your thoughts uh, and, your, your thoughts and training because it, it's so funny because what will happen is you'll actually come to like a sticking point and going man I actually thought I used to think like this about it but I actually don't and absolutely it's, you're right you're it's so funny right. And uh, the, the, the other point, too, was about your kids. It's very, very funny. I was talking to a coach only on Monday, and we were talking about business. And Like anyone that knows me knows I'm a terrible businessman. I'm like just I'm, – I'm, I'm the typical, I'm the typical. you know, all I did was just read training books and therapy books and, you know, things about neuroscience and anatomy and physiology and, and you know, spirituality and basically everything anything to do with my disciplines but nothing to do with the business aspect. But he, he, he so that my friend was helping me out with some business stuff and he was uh, he was saying about listen you need to be thinking like this with regards to business to get motivated for the business aspect he's like when you pass away what do you want your kids to see you know see that you left behind what's the legacy you're going to leave for your kids like do you want your kids saying well my, my dad was a really really good worker look look at the legacy he left behind look at the business he left for us like you know so that really motivated me so I 100% get what you're saying with regards to you know when you're long gone that your kids have something to say well look dad wrote this book this was his philosophy that he was a deep thinker about his discipline and you know a great role model that's really what you want to be like isn't it so uh, absolutely you know and to, to add to that we um I think this is a cool little story that the coaches will appreciate to any gym owner we have um you know uh, water and Gatorade for sale in the gym and uh, everyone asked me, how much, how much? So I decided to put up a sign above the water. And I said, you know, it's an honor system. So technically, the water is a dollar. So people come in the group class, they bring 10 bucks for training, they don't bring any cash, they just pay for the month, whatever. They don't have money. So some of them are actually so honorable that they won't take a water, which I don't like. But an hour later, they're dying of thirst. I'm looking at them, you want water? Like, I don't have any money. I'm like, are you nuts? It's an honor system. Take the water, take 10 waters, put the money in later. And it really, that alone, I think, even caught people off guard. I remember saying that at group class, I'm going to look at the honest, take whatever you want. I trust you, you put the money in there. Maybe they don't, but they have to deal with that later. Maybe they do. I see most of them, you know, pay for their drinks. I don't care. It's not about that. It's an honor system. Or are you a decent enough human to pay for what you're taking? Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether they do or not, that's something they have to deal with, not me. You know, I don't care about the water, it's a dollar. But the point of it was, you know, it's almost a trust factor. It's almost a thing like, come in here, we're, we're together, we're a team, we're family now. You know what I mean? That's, I think that in itself, you know, says a lot about our atmosphere. Yeah, it's just, it's that's so true. It's It reminds me of, uh, I read a book called The Wonder Box. Basically, it's, it's kind of looking back at, like, cultural history of, you know, certain time periods in time. But the author in the book spoke about this place i can't remember i think it's in europe somewhere but it's basically this cafe and they have concessions um uh so like i can't i can't remember the word he used but it's basically concessions so for instance i'll go into to the coffee shop and i would say can i have a copy or a coffee and can i have a can i, can I have a concession as well so i'd have my coffee and i'd i'd pay for a second one but i wouldn't take the second one and then like he was basically describing about the time he was in the cafe and he didn't understand what this this concession was you know people were buying two coffees but only going out with one 
and he realised then a few minutes later a homeless guy would come in and say was there any concessions and they'd say oh yeah we have five, we have five so here's your meal and here's your coffee or here's your tea or here's your whatever like so it, it was just it was just brilliant yeah that to, to like that people you know I'll make a concession and when someone wants to come in and they don't have money kind of just with your water like you could say to someone listen whoever has 12 books here 10 for the class and then put your you know yeah. might, might put a, two books towards water one for you and one for someone else a concession but yeah that's awesome so it's uh, it, it just it just goes to show it's so much deeper than the sets and refs. You know, it's, it's just it's so much more than just str- strength and condition. There's so much more to it. It's so much more in depth. You're absolutely right. But uh, so, Carl, that that's we're coming up on time. You said forty five minutes. Uh, we won't take any more of your precious time. You probably have to get back to some work. And uh, I appreciate it, Robbie. I really appreciate this, this opportunity. Ah, no problem at all. Absolute pleasure. I mean, thank, thanks a million for making the time yourself. But uh, just just for you know everyone anyone who wants to get in touch with you anyone who's obviously in the area where you are um like how how can they learn more about you? Yeah, I mean uh, you know like I said I'm right outside of Philadelphia, Northeast Philly. I mean Philadelphia I'm pretty well known, but uh, the outside area Huntington Valley. But uh, we're Noble Training. Um, I have a website Noble Training uh, uh, call uh, slash call dot com. Um, Facebook is pretty big. I mean I know Facebook I think is. I think over a billion people have Facebook now. So that's most of where my business comes from. I also have a website, Noble Training at Yahoo. Um, you can look us up. My book's available at Amazon. I also sell them at the gym. Um, Noble Training, a personal training fitness guide for all. So definitely pick a copy up, and I'd, I'd love some feedback if you get it. And, and guys, just so we know, I'll be putting the link to, to you know Carl's website, Facebook, and also to the Amazon link for, for his, his book. And definitely check it out and pick it up. He's a pretty clued in guy. I met him through strengthcoach.com and we've chatted on Facebook and uh, definitely have a lot definitely have a lot of respect for him and the light he was on the show today. So Carl, just you hang on, I just wrap up the show and I'll, I'll just talk to you after, okay. after the show. So guys, once again another great interview. I hope you really enjoyed it. Take care and I'll talk to you soon. Uh-huh.